What's up? It's Andy Grammer with Jag. Hi, this is Carly Rae Jepsen, and you're listening to Jag. Hi, everybody. It's Joe Jonas hanging with Jag. This is Heather Knox with the hottest Jag I've ever seen. Ryan Seacrest with Jag. It's B.O.B. checking in with my homie Jag. So much swag with my homie Jag. It's the Jag Show podcast. I'm joined today by Matt Kundal from Sound Off Media. Matt is part of a sort of a podcaster mastermind group that we're in with several other people. We kind of share ideas every month. And he, like me, has a radio background. We were sort of neighbors when he was in Montreal and I was up in Burlington, Vermont. So, Matt, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into radio and from there to podcasting. Well, I woke up this morning, took a look at the date and realized that my company has been going five years to the very day. Muzzle tough. And so I look back and I'm like, how did I get here? You know, that old Talking Heads song. And it really does start in radio. It starts way back in the 1980s. And, you know, I'm 18 years old. I'm living in, in Montreal. I'm grade 12 and graduating. And there I go off to university to study political science. But I really, really wanted to be on the radio. I grew up listening to Shome and CKGM and stations uh, out of Burlington, Vermont. And I lived high enough up the hill in Montreal that I got great radio reception. And aside from all the Bon Jovi that got listened to and run DMC, uh, I wanted to play that that music on the radio and, and got my chance. So went to Nova Scotia, I went to Acadia University, got on the campus station. From there, I got a summer job doing one shift a week on a Sunday morning, changing tapes between uh, <laughs> 6 a.m. and noon. Maybe there was some religious programming, some countdown shows, but I got to be on the air for two hours a week. And that, for me, Hell was yeah. a summer job. And I didn't care about the other six days of the week, but of course, I got some all nights out of it and a whole bunch of other uh, radio shifts that came from that. And from there, just got my first full-time job before I finished university. Really, really enjoyed it. And from there, graduated, went to work all nights at Shome in Montreal, went to do evenings and become the music director at the Bear in Edmonton for eight years uh, throughout the 1990s, zip into the 2000s, got to go back to Shome in Montreal and work programming music on the station I loved. And uh, from there, I went to Winnipeg to Power 97, where I became program director. And that was my first programming gig. And I think that's really what I loved about radio was I love being on the air, but I really loved working with the product and the music and the talent and, and the disc jockeys and artists and, and record labels just ate it up. And in 2014, I uh, was let go to the very day, my 25th anniversary of first turning on a microphone. I thought I'd give myself a cake. Instead, they gave me a, a yellow envelope. And <laughs> Though the dreaded manila envelope, I've had many of those. <laughs> yeah. And then went home and, and said, okay, well, what's next? And I wanted to do some radio, and there was I started to consult, and I started a company that would was going to be doing some radio consulting just to keep me busy in the interim. And I've always been doing some voice work and voice acting, so I, I had all that. But what I couldn't figure out was why radio had gone sideways and didn't seem very interested in the stuff I wanted to put on the air or what I believed got listeners. And mm -hmm. 2015 rolls around. We're doing fine with the radio consulting business. By 2016, here comes podcasts. I said, I got to go see this podcast movement thing. And there they were. Those are the people who wanted to be doing all night radio and making audio. And what they had done was they had <laughs> actually done podcasts and it looked like this giant sort of pond hockey game. And this is the Canadian in me who thinks, yeah, this is pond hockey. And I said to myself, I recognize the microphones. I can stick handle around 90% of the people in this room. 
I don't know where <laughs> I don't know where the net is, but when I find the net, I'll shoot and score at that point. And uh, that's when I started to do podcasting. And I think the only way to do it was to start a podcast. So we started the Sound Off podcast, which was for broadcasters, and was really going to be the flagship podcast. Um, I started another podcast called the Hot Air Podcast, just for some of my creative outlets. And from there, began to work more and more with podcasters every day. Because people were like, well, I listen to your podcast, but tell me more about it. And I just, I became a student. I've always been a student of radio and student of of the audience and and really Mm -hmm. trying to learn from people. And there's so much to learn in podcasts and just sit around, listen, read, and learn. And uh, I get to wake up every morning to the future. And podcasting is the future and the future is here. I would like to steal that line. And as my first ever Canadian guest on the Jag Show podcast, I do appreciate the fact that you have dropped many words that uh, only Canadian would drop. You know, you said you went to university and not college, and you, I'm waiting for you to tell me about going on holiday somewhere and stick handling. So I do appreciate you uh, <laughs> filling that as the first Canadian guest on my show. Well, it is April the, uh, the 2nd when we are recording this, and I'm in Winnipeg, and it is snowing, and there's a few inches of snow coming down. So I don't know what's more Canadian than that. I mean, <laughs> okay. So you started the podcasting company, and it's funny. I read into the opposite, where I would have people say, "Oh, you do podcasts for people. What's your podcast?" I said, "Well, no, my main focus is doing podcasts for other people." But then you kind of got into it, and tell me about the work that you do with podcasters and what you're focused on now. Well, it took a couple of years of doing my own podcast for me to really understand how it works and how I could build the audience. So whenever I started something new, if I went to a new market as a program director, or I moved to a new city, or I took up podcasting, I always like to do the first year, I'm going to do a lap around the track. And that's Mm. one year. You've got to take one lap around the track. So I took my first lap and I said, okay, why am I hosting on SoundCloud? How can I get on a better podcasting hosting site? Oh, you mean there's a difference? I didn't know that. What's another thing I could do? And I listened to Aaron Monkey, who does the Lure podcast, and he said, well, you got to release consistently. And I go, well, you know, sometimes I like to release on a Wednesday, and other times it's a Monday, and sometimes (laughs) – and and he told me how disingenuous that was to the audience, I mean, if you really want to commit to them. And if you think about it, that's what radio is. I I mean, listen, John, we know so many people in radio who just get points by showing up and mailing it in all the time. It's probably the only business in the world where just showing up to do the midday show for 25 years – is going to get you accolades and probably into the radio uh, hall of fame. The classic four in the door jock, go in, do your four hours and you're gone. Exactly. But there's something to that. And that's because you show up and you are consistently there. And if you release your episodes that way, people will get into the habit of consuming your show. So I, I release an episode every Monday night. Sometimes it sneaks out on Tuesday, but Every Monday night, I've got to get an episode out. You know, you've got to be disciplined. It's the same sort of training. When was Dallas on? It was on Friday nights at nine. When was the Love Boat on? Saturday nights on ABC. It's consistency. And that's what traditional media really, really figured out that podcasters, a lot of them don't get. And that's, you've got to release consistently and be there for your audience and create the habit for them in order to to listen to you. But I, I watch the audience numbers. What is good data? What is bad data? So, you know, we talk a little bit about IAB certified metrics. Well, it's just a form of counting and it's counting downloads and it's a standardized way of doing it. It's not necessarily, I mean, it's good for advertisers that they have a a solid number that they can rely on. But for me, I like the solid number because it's consistent. If you know what your audience is doing and you can look at their behavior, you will be able to grow your podcast. It's the same thing with radio ratings. You get the data, you look at it and go, oh, look, we're a little bit low here. We can make it higher here. What do you think is driving people away? 
We get lots of data in podcasts. We're very, very lucky. It is very solid data. It's way better than anything radio gets. Yeah, in radio, we'd have the uh, ratings metrics where it would be a diary or meter that people would carry around that just such a small sample size, such a large population and so unreliable. And I also think, you know, not just quantitatively, but qualitatively, I think back to being in Vermont in the 2000s and having a cardboard cutout of Lindsay Lohan in the studio, because at a top 40 radio station, we were targeting 18 to 24 year old females. She was who we were talking to. And it was Turn that mic on, and if Lindsay doesn't care what you're talking about, don't say it. So having that data, but also knowing who your target audience is and tailoring that format to them is so important. Well, I'm glad I wasn't broadcasting on that station because it would just be a bunch of pickup lines at Lindsay all day on the radio. I'm not not sure that would be terribly uh, entertaining. (laughs) So, you know, you mentioned the IAB metrics, and those are standardized across the podcasting industry because for so long, podcasting was the wild, wild west, and now we're getting some consistency and some hard numbers and hard data to look at, especially as the advertising is coming in. What are some of the things that you work on with your clients in terms of improving the podcast? Really looking at the metrics. So Mm -hmm. we look at downloads, yes, but we, we have to ask the question, why did this happen and what does this mean? And we try not to get too into the weeds after one week. Really, you got to let 30 days go by before you really see how solid your show is doing. You've got to look at the time of year. You've got to look at the audience to see who's listening. So, for example, one of the persons I work with is a former TV host out of Ottawa, Leanne Lang, who's very, very good at interviewing, very good at releasing content on a consistent basis. But she has questions. She says, what happens at Christmas? Why do I go down at Christmas? Well, because it's Christmas. Yeah. What happens in March? Well, there's Easter and you got some long weekends. And what happens in June? Why is there a dip? Well, people are going away for the summer and you've got an audience that is sort of rooted, you know, the 40-year-old female. A lot of them have families. You know, the kids come home from spring break. And as we're discovering now with many people coming home, you know, it really does disrupt the listening. So we look at those things because how many times do you see a podcaster look at the numbers and go, Numbers are down. That was a crappy guest. Never having that person on again. (laughs) That's actually, it's crazy to think that that's what people think and do, but it's really how we behave. We're very reactionary with numbers. We want instant gratification. And it's very possible that it's not really about a big audience because in radio, it is about a big audience, but it's not about that with podcasting. It's about finding the right audience. And how often have you had a podcast that only got 200 downloads, you're saying, and Everything else got 400, but it was probably the episode that had 200 downloads that maybe got shared more on social media, maybe hit more influencers, maybe reached a whole bunch more people. I've had some really, really sort of low downloads on episodes and people come back and go, that was your best episode. Hmm. I go, really? Oh, okay. So we get really hung up on numbers, but I think we have to sort of take a step back and look objectively at the content and the show. And I developed social media strategies for podcasters. What's going to work with the social media accounts that you have now? What's going to be reasonable? Because you can sit there Mm -hmm. all day on Facebook and you can sit there all day on Twitter and you can hammer it out on Instagram, but what's reasonable? Again, this goes back to being consistent. Can you be consistent? Mine personally, three tweets a day, uh, Instagram stories, a couple of them a day, one Instagram post a week on the new episode, one Facebook post a week on the new episode, one LinkedIn piece on the new episode. And then I'll probably go back on the Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn and put a video up, like a headliner video. That's mm-hmm. that's just consistent marketing. And it's just being there every day and creating an expectation of what people are going to see. And you don't need to bombard them and you don't you certainly don't need to sink your business on it. It's just about being consistent. 
Do you feel that uh, there are certain social media platforms that play better with podcasting or does that depend on the clients and what platforms their audiences are on? It really depends on that. I've seen some superstars just use LinkedIn and just take it to the nines. Hmm. Uh, there are people who just rocking it on LinkedIn. Me, not so much. But one of the things I really, really dug into is I took all the podcasts that I work with and lined them up on Spotify and found that some of the top podcasts that I have are not doing very well on Spotify. And that goes back to marketing because they're not using the Instagram stories to really connect to the audience. It's really quite nice. If you can get into Spotify and use that within two or three clicks, you can have an Instagram story created that's going to sit there for 24 hours that the consumer on Instagram can just access the show with one touch of a button. That's, yes. That's the key to any website. Remember, you know, radio station websites, they're, they're cluster f- they're a, yeah. they're a complete mess, right? If you go, want to go looking to win the concert tickets or to find the, fi- find the promo to, so you can jump over a hoop to jump over a hoop to win a toque. I mean, that's, <laughs> that, that's honestly what a radio station website is like. And the listener is gone after one or two clicks. Everything should be one or two clicks away. So, you know, Bitly's are good. I know Chartable has some, uh, some one or two click ways to get you to connect people to listening to your podcast. If you can find the way to get people to listen in one or two clicks, you're in the end zone. And that's so true as more people get into podcasting as it's still a very new medium for a lot of consumers. And if it's going to be, like you said, (laughs) click, click, click and to win a toque, you know, the more hoops you got to jump through, the bigger the prize is got to be at the end. So unless you're giving away a million dollars, you want it to be easy to access your content. I had a, somebody the other day asked me a question and they said, how do I build my audience to a level where I can get picked up? And they're doing a two hour podcast every week and talking about all sorts of crazy stuff. I said, well, where's your website? He goes, well, I, I can't afford a website. I'm like, oh. I, you, cannot, you can't afford not to have a website. So as a result, the podcast is not on Google. It is not found anywhere. You have no search engine presence. It's going to be really, really hard to build your audience. So Get yourself a good website once you get yourself a good podcast host. Right. So when you have the podcast host, you have the website. And, you know, obviously something that I'm sure you get asked a lot, I get asked this a lot, is how do I make money off my podcast? And I always come back and I say, well, you're not gonna right away because of all those things that you talked about, Matt. Consistency and social media and sharing and just pushing your content out and growing your audience. At what point can a podcaster start to make money off of their show? One year. You got to take a lap around the track. I generally won't even talk about making money with any podcaster until a year has gone by because then you really know what your audience is. And I know some people say, oh, but I've got a sponsor lined up already and I'm ready to go. And I go, who are you selling that to? You don't even know who your audience is. You don't even know. I don't know. You don't know. You haven't done the show yet. How can you possibly have a sponsor that you think is going to come back? Remember, when you make a sale for a sponsorship for for anything, your job is not actually to put the sponsorship on the air so much it is as it is to renew it next year. So mm. you want to make sure that you know exactly who you're dealing with when you do this stuff. Would you rather have that sponsor for the next five years or just for the one year and then they're going to get ticked off and leave? So we're looking at you know ways that to do that because you do the first year and that this happened to me. I did that lap around the track. I did my first year and say, okay, what do I have here? Well, I've got 52 episodes. Well, do people want to listen to episode number two or 10 or 15? Of course they do. If the content is evergreen and it's stuff that is as valuable as it was a year ago, continue to market it. But then the question is, how am I going to be able to monetize that? 
especially if your sponsor leaves and you know they're back on episode two and now you've had a falling out with them and you want them out. So the answer to that is, is <laughs> dynamic ad insertion. Once you do get a catalog of, it could be 25 episodes, 30, anything that is still evergreen that people can go back and listen to, consider looking for a podcast host that has dynamic ad insertion. It is becoming more affordable and it is a, a you know, bit of a Bit of a godsend, I think, for the regular podcaster who wants to really get into the ad game. I want to have you explain dynamic ad insertion in a minute, but I'll give you an example of dynamic ad insertion gone wrong. As you know, and we sometimes clash over this good-naturedly on social media, I grew up in Boston, I'm a big Patriots fan, and there's a Patriots podcast that I listen to from NBC Sports Boston with one of their beat writers, Tommy Curran. He's very good. And a couple weeks ago, I'm listening to the off-season stuff, the Tom Brady stuff, and in the middle of a sentence... An ad pops in of Tom, the host, reading this thing about how to play NBC Sports Sunday Night 7 and you can win money on this week's Sunday night game. And I'm like, okay, well, what just happened there? And then it goes back into the conversation. So it's important to understand dynamic ad insertion and also to have a reliable partner that it's going to work with. So if I'm walking in off the street and I know nothing about dynamic ad insertion, can you explain it to me, Matt? Uh, no, it's actually very, very difficult. I've seen people try to explain dynamic ad insertion all the time, <laughs> and everybody makes a mess of it. Uh, basically, what it is, is the ad will be just sort of appear within the confines of your podcast. So you, at some point, maybe at about the 10-minute mark or the 15-minute mark, wherever you would find it to be a good spot for a transition, you stick a marker in there, and that's where the ads appear. And the ads are the most recent ads that you know, your client is going to want to put in there. So even though you made your podcast uh, two years ago and it's a subject matter that people still want to, you know, listen to today, if I go and download that, I'm going to get the very latest ad, whether it's, you know, from Subaru or if it's going to be from, you know, a mattress company, it's going to be up to the minute content. When you look at that is you're thinking about there's ads in every one of your episodes. So even if you download episode two or episode 70, that same ad is going to appear in there. And that can be dependent on when you're downloading it, and it can also be dependent on where you're downloading it in some cases too, right? Absolutely. So this was one of the big wins for me with the Sound Off podcast was I had a client who really only wanted Canadian clients because it, mm-hmm. da- it was a data company called NLogic. And if you're in the States, what's the point in them hearing that ad? It's wasted space. And it's the same thing for many podcasters who you know look at stamps.com. Well, if you're listening in Australia why would you want to buy American stamps? (laughs) There is space there that can be resold to another part of the planet. Uh, So it also really is about inventory. So, you know, when you look at, oh, I'm going to put an ad on my podcast, it's what they call baked in. And it Mm -hmm. sits on your podcast and it's never going anywhere. And they pretty much get that spot for life. Dynamic ad insertion is the opposite. It takes that spot and makes it very flexible so you can put in just about any ad in any different spot. And now they got the technology down so much that you can put an ad in just for Burlington, Vermont, one for Boston, one for New York, one for LA. They can really zero in on the region and really target that customer. At what point in terms of numbers and listeners and downloads do you have to get to, I know you said a year, which is a good number as far as the experience, but a lot of clients are going to say, how many downloads do I have to be getting before I can start looking at advertising, before people are going to be interested in advertising on my show? Is there, I know there's not a hard and fast rule, but is there a general rule for that? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to be one of the big podcasters and, you, and you're going to go after ND mattresses and Wix and all that, that high-end money, you know, we used to talk about 10,000 downloads being the magic number. I think that number is just going up every year, and it's probably going to get away from most of us. But you have a podcast. 
what is it worth to connect? Maybe it's about widgets. Maybe it's about sewing machines. Maybe your podcast is about farm to table food. There's an audience for that. And you don't have to listen to anybody and say, oh, it's a $25 CPM. That means $25 for every thousand people who download it. You're way more valuable than that. My CPM for a radio podcast is $200 US. And then people are like, what? How do you do that? I said, well, I've got 500 broadcasters every week who are listening to my podcast. And they're saying, well, how do I know that those are broadcasters? Because who in their right mind would want to listen to this drivel if they weren't a <laughs> podcaster? What is their problem? I mean, you have to think of it that way. I mean, listen, if you've got a podcast about spoons, why would anybody listen to this podcast about spoons unless they were really, truly interested in spoons? <laughs> it's in, I, I, it makes me nuts when I hear people say, well, how can you prove that these are the just, I mean, you go to a conference. I mean- if you go to a conference about a particular subject matter, whatever whatever that is, I mean, it could be, you know, hair and nails, because I actually have seen a hair and nails conference, mm-hmm. which was actually at the podcast movement. I think they had. I was just going to say that yeah. we were in Orlando last summer. All of a sudden, all these uh, these women were coming down all dolled up, and it was this big deal. I'm like, oh, that's what the other conference is here this week. That's what podcasting is. I mean, essentially, it's a grouping together of people from a common interest. So if you look at a conference about the type of podcast that you're doing, what would you charge for a logo at the front of the room in front of all those people? Well, at a conference, that's going to be a thousand dollars. Well, that's what your podcast is worth. Look at it in that way. And then you can promise impressions like that. So, you know, in a year, if you get 50,000 downloads for your podcast over an entire year, and you want to charge somebody for the whole year, promise them 50,000 downloads. You know, you're going to get them as long as you're working consistently on your podcast. How does somebody do it? How do, if you want to get involved with dynamic ad insertion, are there companies you work with or you do specifically? How can someone get involved in that in selling relevant ads to their audience? I think you have to do your shopping. Most companies are offering forms of dynamic ad insertion. And there are some host companies. um, There are even some companies on the outside that will offer it as well. Shop around. It's quite affordable. I can't make any recommendations on, on the companies that do it because everybody has a different price structure. Sure. Uh, that That's out there. There are some that charge by the campaign and maybe that works for you and maybe that doesn't work for you. There's even, I believe, Launchpad, which is free. I think they have dynamic ad insertion. Launchpad is the one that had the beer and puppies at Podcast Movement, correct? Correct. And I think they're a derivative of, of Podcast One. Uh, yeah, I think that sounds right. Yeah, yeah they, have, they have dynamic ad insertion, I believe. I'll have to double check that. But I remember playing with it and going, this technology is available to many of these podcasting hosting companies and they've got different price structures. Take a look at it. Do not get involved with it though, unless you've got, like if you're doing a sports podcast, don't do it because nobody wants to listen to your episode from last year because we already know the, 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 that the Patriots lost. Thanks. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. Right. I did want to work that one in there as well. I'm hardcore Bills Mafia. So I think you might be the favorites to win the uh, AFC East if we have a season this year. So we'll stay tuned. I do just to digress for a second. I have to ask you this. Yeah. As a Patriots fan, I always hated the Dolphins and I always hated the Jets, but I never really hated the Bills because we were never good at the same time. But I don't think that's a feeling shared by you because you've had your asses kicked by us for 20 straight years. Yeah. I mean, and who doesn't love Rob Gronkowski, who's from Amherst, New York, which is like, right, right. You know, he's from Buffalo. So it's still, I think it's still rather, you know, friendly between, between the two places, but you know, any Bill's podcast, you know, that one isn't going to work for dynamic ad insertion. Um, But if you have evergreen content, and I think you really need to think, is the content of your podcast, is it evergreen enough that someone's going to want to go back and listen to it, that you can monetize it? So take a look, by the way, there's a bit of a formula to it. So I, and I think it's if 
20 or 30% of your downloads come from your past episodes, take a good hard look at that and go, yeah, you know what? I think dynamic ad insertion is going to work for me. That's great. Uh, one other thing I want to ask you about today, Matt, because I was calling some uh, some numbers last week as I was putting together my most recent podcast industry-focused episode of the Jag Show podcast, trying to figure out what coronavirus, COVID-19, what effect it's having on podcasting. I saw some numbers that said podcasting was going up. I saw some numbers that said podcasting was going down. A lot of conflicting data out there. Do you have a general sense of, I know it's early, but do you have a general sense of what effect, if any, coronavirus has had on the podcasting industry? Yeah, it's um, disruption. And I know that's very vague, but I really think you need to sort of envision your audience as somebody walked in the middle of a room with a handgun and started firing at the ceiling and people scramble. They will scramble in different directions, uh, but they will find a way back to you. So Hmm. that's essentially what has happened. I think the first few nights of, of this crisis, I went to Safeway and the place is packed and people are buying toilet paper for some inexplicable reason. And I thought, okay, this is Christmas. So I yeah. expected Christmas numbers and it wasn't quite Christmas number. Christmas, we see a drop at about 30% over Christmas, but it was really about 15% for that first week. Then we started to see people coming back. And I think we see some overall podcast numbers around 4%. But on the other hand, we're seeing a lot more increase of people listening on the weekend. But now we're also seeing a little bit of an increase with people who are watching desktop or, you know, through the computer and maybe a little, I mean, podcasting is a very mobile experience over the years. It's been 80% on a mobile device mm-hmm. and we're not as mobile as we once were. We're not commuting as long. We're not commuting at all. Actually, in most cases um, it's being, you know, we've got kids at home and there's another disruption. The internet at home is also being taken up by Zoom and, and yeah. other things and kids gaming. I mean, stuff is really being sort of hampered down on what was once our personal podcast time. And, you know, now we're beginning to see there's some other strange, like Spotify has gone down 8%. So that ha- hampers a little bit in and people are a little bit more into, into news. And, you know, listen, they're going to watch the news. They're going to be like me. They'll get sad. They'll stop watching the news and realize that, you know, watching it is not really going to change your life and you'll gravitate back to some podcasts. And I admit, I'm, I'm referring, well, listen, the downloads are there. I've downloaded the podcast. I just haven't listened to them yet. So listening yeah. is down. The downloads seem to be, you know, okay, people are still downloading from time to time, but it's just a disruption. The advice I have is, is keep doing what you're doing. Keep running that lap around the track. Keep doing your marketing. People will find their way back. It's the same advice that I, that I have to give to podcasters when they see a, a drop in the summertime. I said, listen, they're going to come back. Be there for them. Release your episodes on time. Another question people ask, well, should I release an episode over Christmas? Absolutely. Maybe only 30% of your audience or 40% may want to listen at that very moment, but they're going to come back. This is an on-demand platform. They know that you are giving them a consistent product with what you're offering. And like you said, maybe they don't have time to listen to it while they're sitting around the fire with everybody at Christmas, but maybe that means they're listening to it on December 26th as they're making the six hour drive home. There's nothing wrong with like putting up a podcast on New Year's Day saying, hey, happy New Year, you know, five minutes of, I really want to thank you for downloading this episode and all the episodes throughout the year. And I want to wish you happy New Year. It's one of these things where you just sort of show up. And if you do it enough every week, forever, you too can wind up in the Radio Hall of Fame <laughs> just for showing up and mailing it in. 
<laughs> you and I could do an entire separate episode on our current thoughts on the radio industry now that we've kind of come over to the to the good side from where radio has been. But um, well, and I think radio offers some lessons about what not to do. And yeah. you know, I, I think as podcasters, you know, we need to own our content. We need to to market it the way it really needs to be marketing because. There's a radio station right now that's looking at cutting back the social media person, and that is just not the thing to do. Oh, oh, that hurts my heart to hear. That's just awful. Yeah, but it, this is the nice thing about podcasting is that, you know, you want to, you got to own your stuff. You got to own your brand. You got to build your brand and you're the CEO of it. And it's really, really quite liberating and wonderful. And this is why I love podcast. <laughs> Matt, I want to thank you so much for your time today for having me on your podcast, the Sound Off Podcast. I'll link to that episode in the show notes from this episode. And also for being part of this group that we all chat once a month. And you always have such great insight about the industry and strategy and, and just really appreciate you sharing your thoughts today. It is exciting to wake up to every day. And I know sometimes it's hard for people to get out of bed in, in strange times and, and wonder, but you know, you get to wake up and, and be a part of the future. So I'm grateful for that every day. Awesome. Best to you and your family, Matt. Stay healthy, stay safe, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. 